Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. So here we are in our very first podcast, James. We did it. So yes, you're Kylie Hutchinson. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm an evaluator and I've been doing it since I took my first evaluation course way back in 1988. And I remember that uh, the prof at the time, it was one of those university classes that started at 8.30. And you're always really tired and you always skipped it sometimes. And the prof would say, it was Anita Myers, who we'll probably talk about uh, at some point. But anyways, she always used to say, guys, listen up, because this is really important stuff in your field, public health, and uh, you're going to need this. And gosh, she was right, you know, fast forward almost, what, 20 years, not quite. Um, yeah, more than 20, 25 years. And uh, here I am in a, as an evaluator. So I'm based in Vancouver. And do you want to introduce yourself? yourself and... Well, 1988, I think 1988, I was probably sitting around listening to Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Right. Uh, so I wasn't taking evaluation courses, but probably 19... 19- 9899 uh, is when I got more into it. So I, I'm, I'm a director for an evaluation team in a large uh, regional health authority in BC and I love evaluation and uh, I love that there's other folks like you um, who I can talk about program evaluation with and it not seem like a really nerdy thing to do. Well, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes my parents still think I, I, you know, at one point I think they thought I was a nurse, not really understanding what I did. But, uh, um, it, you know, when you try to introduce yourself at a at a dinner party or something like that and you sit and people say, oh, what do you do, James? And uh, you say, I'm an evaluator. And, of course, their eyes glaze over and we're always scrambling for something to do. But we're not we're not targeting this podcast for people who don't know evaluation, are we? We're really... Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about who we're hoping that this would work for? Yeah, I'm definitely not targeting my parents, although I will say that although I started in psychology, my dad always assumed that I had some sort of Freudian couch or something, that I find explaining evaluation of whatever work they did and who the evaluator types were in their business is a little bit more accessible. Who we are targeting, as you said, are uh, young and old, people that are passionate about program evaluation. Uh, that are interested in um, hearing the kind of dialogue and uh, hopefully a few pearls of wisdom, probably more uh, uh, pearls of wisdom from you, uh, about uh, what we've learned and what we go through in the day-to-day life. So I think uh, younger potential evaluators will be interested to um, hear about what it's like in the day of life, an evaluator and experienced evaluators, um, you know, are the kind of people we might also want to interview. Um, maybe take uh, topics or requests that are of interest. Um, But uh, I think uh, as an internal evaluator in an organization where that's my full-time job and you as a private consultant, we also span a a range of uh, different kinds of evaluation too. Yeah, and and I think that's what's going to work so well about this because um, I think one of the reasons we, we decided to do this podcast was whenever we would meet at evaluation events or, you know, for coffee or something, we actually live in different cities, but we would just have so much to talk about because, oh my goodness, here's somebody who's actually another evaluator who speaks my language. And um, so, yeah, we just kind of thought that uh, people would be interested to hear about our perspective on some of the trends that are happening. And I know, for example, 
um, most of the clients that I work with, I tend to work in the trenches that I'm working with uh, smaller not-for-profits and community groups, some government work, but, um, you know, I'm really, people who are maybe in an academic environment or, um, uh, you know, international development might be interested in hearing our perspective, and then we might bring some of those people in mm-hmm. as well, and I think we're going to try and have a, a different topic um, for every podcast, and uh, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to be experts or anything, are we? We're really just evaluators hanging around the, having a cup of coffee and. Yeah, I think both you and I have probably shared a couple times that we're not really comfortable with the term expert. No. Uh, some people definitely will see us uh, in our own business as expert because they know nothing about evaluation, and that's okay. Um, but we also um, we're interested to learn from others, and I think what this podcast, like some of the other podcasts that both you and I are big fans of are really an audio experience and learning. And what we really thought about was that we don't really have an evaluation podcast in either the iTunes library or others that I can either, you know, put in my ear when I go to the gym or if I'm driving across town or to another meeting and I just want to hear somebody else who's working in my profession. There are a few different um, uh, kinds of social networks and blogs and eval talk, of course, uh, uh, that's sponsored by the AEA, but there wasn't anything specific as a podcast, and yeah. so that's another reason why we thought we would try and uh, uh, fill that void. Yeah, yeah. So we're definitely this is definitely an experiment. I think it will evolve. And one of the things was uh, the title, "Adventures in Evaluation," and and uh, we've been uh, shooting all sorts of ideas back and forth. So the, some of them really funny, but. Um, Anyways, we've settled on adventures and evaluation for now, and we'll see. That might change, but uh, we're always going to look for feedback as well, and at the end of the podcast, we'll give you some information on how you can give us some feedback. But why don't we get into our... um why don't we get into the, the first topic for this week's podcast, which, which is uh, the CE designation. So, I don't know, do you want to start off with a little history or explanation of it for those who are not familiar with it? Yeah, I think we'll definitely include some links uh, to uh, the valuationcanada.ca uh, website um, where you can learn more if you haven't heard about the, uh, the actual initiative. But for many years now, there's been an interest um, from different evaluation organizations. I think the Australasian, the American Evaluation Association, and the Canadian Evaluation Society uh, particularly decided to take a lead and um, has created what's called the Professional Designations Program. I'll um, just kind of read off the, um, the particular areas that we're expected to be competent in. Mm-hmm. Think. So there, there's five. Um, we're expected to be... Um, good at our reflective practice. Um, we can talk a bit more about each of these and, and what this has been like for us. Or technical practice is another area of importance. Uh, situational practice, uh, management practice, and our interpersonal practice. And under each of these five areas, there are certain uh, behaviors that we should be exhibiting in order to be a competent evaluator. Uh, and just to kind of uh, pass it back to you, um, I guess uh, you probably decided to go through this process before I did. Um, when did you start that, or what was your what was your initial interest in it? Well, you know, I followed this whole thing with interest when it was first raised um, by the CES, and it took a long time to get to the point where they they even decided to go ahead with this. There was. Uh, like all of these kind of big things, there was a lot of um, chitty chat about it at conferences, and then somebody 
finally decided to strike a working group, I think, at CES. And then they did a fairly in-depth feasibility study. And I'm pretty sure I filled out a survey about it, whether or not as a member of the Canadian Evaluation Society. Um, and just for those, for our American listeners, we are going to um, talk about this with the, uh, from an American perspective as well, because I know I, I'm starting to hear a bit of some some more discussion about it uh, when I go to the American Evaluation Association conferences as well. So, anyways, from the point they decided, from the point they had decided to go for it, and and uh, I think that resolution was passed at a conference or something. Then. Oh, they were easily two years or, or or more, and there were some really key champions at CES that pushed it to finally nail down, you know, what are the competencies of an evaluator? And you can imagine, James, that uh, that probably couldn't have been an easy practice to do. I'm not sure I would have stepped up to be on that committee, um, you know, to really kind of, I mean, the field of evaluation is so diverse and, and um you know, if I'm the kind of evaluator that that works in the trenches with these small community groups, and you know, I'll be totally honest, I'm not I'm not doing multivariate you know analyses every day with my types of evaluations. So, how do you how do you set that bar? How do you set that standard? I think uh, I think it probably was quite a challenge for them to do. So, uh, when I heard about it, it was also a few years ago, and um, you know, my initial impressions. I think you know, uh, full disclosure. Any of the comments that I make on this podcast are certainly no reflection of my employer, <laughs> uh, my wife, um, nor any of those people who are expert and uh, did all the hard work to set up, in this case, the, um, uh, the, uh, the actual um, professional designation program. But my sense was that it was at a time where it was motivated by wanting to establish herself as a proper professional discipline. Yeah. We were in some comparison competition with others. Uh, yeah. For example, my friends and, and colleagues who work in internal audit um, are, I think, able to um, achieve certain status. My friends and colleagues in accounting can can do the same. Yeah. And it was, I think, motivated um, mostly by uh, wanting to um, help protect those customers who are paying for evaluations, yeah. uh, whether it's internal or external, to make sure that there is um, some bar uh, that's being set for us to be competent. Absolutely, and you know that's one reason why I was a big supporter of it because um, you'll know for many years I taught the Canadian Evaluation Society's Essential Skills Series, which is their four-day kind of introductory boot camp. Right. And I saw a lot of people uh, who were who were consultants in the area of management or organizational development uh, who were taking the Essential Skills Series because they thought, oh, I can just do evaluation. Or sometimes I would have colleagues who are consultants who would go after evaluation jobs, and then and then they call me and say, "Oh, there's a there's a an RFP out for an evaluation. Hey, can you just tell me how I do this?" And I thought, "Ah, uh, uh, are you kidding? I've been doing this for 25 odd years, and and it's not just something you can wing. And I, and I, you know, I've taken training in it. I've done. I've spent so much money in professional development and, you know, I studied it in university and, and I, I think I want a little bit of recognition for that, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, um, I guess my main motivator in part wasn't uh, that anybody needed uh, to see that credential for me to have a job. I think that's starting to change and I, I mean, we're beginning to see uh, uh, postings where it usually will say Canadian uh, competent uh, Canadian evaluator or the CE specific designation is uh, is desired, uh, maybe not required. 
Um, but for me, um, it was my best way to try and assess my own uh, stage of development in my professional career. And if I got slightly more arm's length review of that, I might have a better sense of where my practice is okay, but where I really need to um, uh, shore up or expand uh, um, other aspects of that practice. So I found it a really good, um, ironic to the first competency, a good reflective exercise um, as I went through that. And that was my main motivation. I wondered um, when this first started, um, there's a charge associated with it. I, I think it's four to five hundred dollars somewhere yeah. in there. It's not cheap. It's not cheap, um, yeah. and, and maybe by comparison, it's not too expensive. But um, at the early stages, there's an educational component. I think there's a grandmother, grandfather type of clause for those who may not have, uh, you know, a master's level or PhD, but have got decades of experience and can demonstrate that somehow else. But I think um, interested to get your thoughts on on this part. They they had launched it, and I think the uptake was maybe a little less than what they were hoping in the first little while. And for a little while, and I don't know if they've stopped this. I think they're going to pretty soon. Is um, they they decided to have a fast track process. So right. where where were you at when you started that process, and what when was that? Yeah, so I want to I wanna just go back to a little bit about what you said about you finding it a reflective pro process, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. So it was, um, unfortunately, I was one of, I think I was one of the first 50 or so people to do it, first 50 or 100, and it had already been going for about a year or so. And it's the kind of thing that, as a busy consultant, it just keeps getting put off, getting put off, right? I'm oh, yeah, over, yeah. I'm going to do it over the Christmas holidays. I'm going to do it over the Thanksgiving or something. But there was always something pressing, obviously. And I know that's the case for um, a number of, of my colleagues. And then um, I finally got this opening. I had something cancel or something. And so I sat down to do it. And I was surprised. I, I had the full version. I wasn't a fast track. Uh, but it didn't take me as long as I thought. Uh, you could complete it online. You could save your work and, and then come back to it the next day. And so I think I might have maybe put in two days at the most of my time crafting the responses. And at sometimes, sometimes I found it, I think there was 45 competencies that I had to write three or four sentences about. And sometimes I felt like, oh my gosh, I have nothing new to say for this competency. I'm going to, I'm going to be repeating myself ad nauseum. But Whenever I got to a really difficult one, I would save it and go away, <laughs> and then and then and then I just left the five hardest ones or the five yuckiest ones ones till the end. Um, but it, but it was an incredibly reflective experience for me. I, I came away from it knowing exactly where my professional development needed to focus on in the next few years. It was clearly statistics. When I you know when I left university, I felt like I was the queen of SPSS. And then I started working with all these small community groups where, you know, there was an area, a T-test to be found. So really rusty in my statistics and um, oh, just a couple of other areas that I, that it was just, I thought, wow, that was really, that was really worth it. And then when I heard that the numbers were still fairly slow in coming in, and, and to be honest, from my discussions with other evaluators, I didn't get the sense that people were not intending to do it or didn't see see the value in doing it my sense was that people just couldn't find the time right. and that might have been one of the reasons why they came up with this fast track process that actually does end on September the 7th 
Oh, they've picked a date for that. Okay. They have, yeah. Yeah, my experience was similar. I think like um, that gym membership I plan to use a lot. Uh, I thought, oh, I'll <laughs> I'll double down. Here's my four hundred and some odd dollars. That'll make me uh, go through the process. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you, I I think I started it, logged in, um, looked at the work, and you looked at the window and the sun outside, and thought, uh, I'd rather ride my beach cruiser, and no one's making me do this. So I was really grateful, and I thought it was a smart move um, to not uh, hopefully um, make the process seem any any weaker, any less rigorous. Um, did you do the fast track, or did I you? I did, I did. So actually, um, I, uh, I was uh, asked, uh, or invited, or allowed to do the fast track process um, I think it was this past November, December, and I thought, oh, great, okay, well, you know, I better do this soon because that won't last forever, and this is surely going to be a lot easier. Well, long story short, um, it definitely looked a lot thinner in, in, in approach, but as I really got into it, I found, and by the time I was done with my application, I'd probably been as exhaustive or as thorough as I think I would have been if I'd followed the original one. Um, there really was no short fast uh, way that I felt um, I could try and summarize what my competencies or my examples of competencies were. Um, I really wanted to elaborate. Um, for me, the timing was also really good because they asked to provide examples. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, I just completed a, a program evaluation, which I had chiefly led, which was uh, uh, mixed methods, and meaning it had qualitative and quantitative, and it had it had so many of the facets of what I needed to demonstrate. I was able to lean on one whole process, provide the report, and um, so that 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 met the criteria pretty easily. Right. So I think I was number seventy-seven, lucky number seventy-seven, <laughs> uh, and I think at last check, another colleague of mine, um, she uh, successfully uh, received her designation, and it's just over a hundred. Yeah. And so I kind of wonder a little like the old. Um, Maybe often um, it's um, overquoted and misquoted, but the whole tipping point element, I think, right. maybe having leaders across the country in the field of evaluation, uh, if I can be so bold as to uh, submit that for us, um, that uh, it demonstrates uh, some value and interest in this, and maybe that's just the, uh, the tip of the iceberg that they need um, uh, to, to get the, the program going. What certainly struck me about the program uh, when I when I saw it presented upon was just how much thoughtful and hard work um, uh, people had done in leading it to get to that point that this was clearly yeah. a labor of love yeah. uh, that this was not something that uh, was easy to replicate uh, because someone else had done it it required a lot of thought a um, lot of consultation and uh, I think to be honest um, it's probably one of the best examples as a member of the Canadian Evaluation Society uh, of, of, of a piece of work that has stayed the course over years that I've been really impressed with. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, you know, we should really put thanks out to, because it sounds like we're both in agreement that, that we found a valuable process, and, and we should really acknowledge Keiko Kuji Shikatani, who yes. uh, really kind of, kind of led it. But now... Let's um, give that shout-out to Keiko. Okay. That's shout a big shout-out. There we go. Um, but... Uh, the million dollar question is now um, that uh, 
where's the value of it now? I mean, we've talked about the value personally in terms of uh, reflecting on our our professional development and our situation. Um, But is there going to be any value in it now? Like, for example, as a consultant, are are people going to pick me over over another consultant? And I know that uh, last uh, June... I was just I was at the I was teaching at the American Evaluation Association Summer Evaluation Institute and one of the keynote speakers was Jean King. Right. And she she gave a really good talk about um, bringing the CE the credential credentialed evaluator to the states and she was talking about the pros and cons of them and it was a great talk and I know you're going to ask me what she said and I can't actually remember uh, because I was a little bit I had to start my own workshop at nine o'clock so I only caught the tail end of it but um, I'm hoping that we might be able to get Jean here as a, as a guest on this podcast so she can talk about the possibility of having something like the CE within the American context but um, what do you think I mean now that you have it what, what what are the values then? Um, are you are you? Are, is it just something we're all doing because we want to have our list, our name listed on that CES website, and we want to be in the company of all those other people? Or uh, that's a, I think that's a good question, and that really turns the cycle, or the lens back around as evaluators on an evaluation related program. So what yeah. is its value? Can we judge its merit or worth? Um, I, I would say um, both in some of the things that the program hopes uh, its value um, you know, uh, exhibits are different than what I'm already seeing, which are unexpected value. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the reflective piece, as you said, was, was good. For me, I work in a team and it's created, I think it's actually, it's, it's compelled us to breathe life into what we're already there as far as competencies and that we refer to, but it's really put those competencies first and foremost. And I'll give you a couple examples. So on our team, when we do our own work plan in our own organization, every year we meet and set our objectives. We review them halfway through the year. We've almost always had some element of um, a professional development. Well, now we're able to more specifically map that back. And I suppose we always could, but we're more motivated. We're more encouraged. In part for the younger evaluators or those um, who do want to apply for this. Um, right. The really unexpected benefit was that uh, it made uh, it, it made me more, much more confident uh, to um, share these competency categories and examples with non-evaluators. Okay. So when we uh, posted a position for an evaluator, we asked and hoped that the, they might have that. But much more importantly, it allowed us to frame the interview questions. Mm-hmm. Much more specifically than, can you tell us about a time you had conflict with your boss? Um, we were able to tailor that and figure out under which category, make sure we had questions that spoke to each one of the competency areas. So that by the time we had an interview done, we had a rough sense, me being the evaluator, maybe a be- the best sense, of where they might be and having demonstrated you know, in an interview setting, uh, limited as it may be, their competencies. What really spun out of that was my introduction of the competencies to non-evaluators who said, these are great. We don't have this on our team. Mm. Or I'm not sure if we have them for our profession. I like these. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just that we wanted to hire someone who had interpersonal skills. We were compelled to make sure they had technical skills, that they demonstrated situational practice and awareness, etc., 
Right. And so I wasn't expecting that when I went into the program. They've just become a lot more of a, a cornerstone to the work we do every day. So when I when I think about my experience, because I'm different from you as an independent consultant, for me it was also, and I'll be perfectly honest, it was a marketing tool, right? Because mm-hmm. um, because we're all I'm always looking at at marketing myself, although Lord knows why I'm just incredibly busy and I I never need the work, but. Um, I'm curious to know, from your perspective, did you get any kind of recognition from from your supervisors or senior management? You know, as evaluators, we're always yeah. trying to increase our credibility, particularly in the, in the healthcare sector, because we're not doing research; we're doing evaluation. Did you did you find that um, yeah. anybody kind of said, "Oh, way to go, James"? Well, actually, um, you know, uh, I'm for those who know me, I, I'm definitely a very chatty, talkative person no. uh, extrovert well sometimes <laughs> extroverted but um you know i was i was kind of um it was nice but it was also um not something i went around tooting a horn about but um you know my supervisor was and in my case a bit more fortunate maybe i, I think he'd probably um allowed me to set aside some work time to work on this and i ran it by him and needed his permission in part to submit some of the evidence the report so he was aware of the process and I told him I'd completed it and we celebrated it. He celebrated it and we had a, a whole portfolio with a little coffee and cake and chat and um, people were, you know, you know, quite interested in understanding what it was and acknowledging that. Okay. And so I did the same when I had another colleague on my team who completed it. And um, it does, uh, it, it, it is something worth celebrating. Um, I can't say my wife uh, got really excited when I came home, but my, it's interesting to get other people's perceptions of value. I think my wife thought, you know, that'll be good for your career down the road. You're not retiring next year. If this is going to be a standard, let's say we uh, decide to travel to foreign lands or uh, work elsewhere, um, it doesn't hurt to have those uh, extra qualifications. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, just... just uh getting close to wrapping up, but um, one of the things that's incumbent upon all of us now who do have our CE is that we need to promote it. So I was I was part of a working group with Keiko last year where we were looking at what are some of the different ways now that we can promote the value and the importance of it. And so some of the things we came up with was we need to use it after our names, right? Uh, add that little CE. and. Um, just kind of talk it up ourselves so that we because it is really a process of educating the people who hire us the people that we work for our management or whatever so i think to wrap up then uh i guess we're both it sounds like we're both kind of a thumbs up on uh on it yeah i think if we did our siskel and ebert or pick your two favorite (laughs) reviewers i i definitely would more thumbs up uh, now having gone through the process i think uh i learned a little bit more about myself um and I guess the one thing I, I, I don't know is um, the extent to which some people have had feedback that they don't qualify. Oh. So I, I think um, the people I know when we've done that, um, they, I don't want to say easily or readily qualified, but they were fairly confident that they were ready. I've got a, a colleague who's a junior evaluator, and it's fairly clear that you know it's going to be another couple years of work and um, maybe a bit more of certain kind of practice development before, you know, they'd be confident that they would um, receive the designation, but interested to hear from others and their experience. Yeah, so um, 
are you able to give people the the uh, the link where people can log on and give us their comments? Do we yeah, have I can. I'll, I'll try and include it in the podcast. But um, for those uh, who have a pen and paper, uh, old school or uh, your iPhone, you can uh, play this back a couple times. But uh, I'd suggest you check out the website at www.evaluationcanada.ca. And if you look at uh, the left-hand side, you'll see about the designation under the professional designations tab. Okay. That's got more information about the designation, um, uh, what qualifications are required, uh, who decides and what the process is by the review board, its cost, and uh, everything to get you going if you're interested in applying. And James, if people have comments they want to make about anything they've heard about today on the podcast, do you have our, our website too? So at this point, uh, we're, um, we're going to still finalize our website, and so I think the uh, the best course of action right now is probably to refer them uh, maybe to uh, your website and email? Yeah, sure. So they can go to uh, www.communitysolutions.ca and just click on the menu under podcast and you'll see a place there where you can add your comments. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, until the next time we meet, James, uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. This is good. We'll see if this we'll stick good. with the same name and looking for feedback, um, appreciating this, these are early days, uh, yeah. but uh, I'm looking forward to our next talk. Good. All right. Take care, James. We'll you talk too. To you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.